Coming up, a monster calls on anatomy of a movie. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Joined in the studio by... Hello, I'm Marissa Serafini. And... Tamara Berg. Hey, everybody. We were talking a monster calls and another anatomy of a movie. Uh, you know, I want to jump right in because this has been a real fun movie for me to watch. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. Marissa, please tell us. I loved this film so much that I, I was, like, again, begging. I was like, we should do this film for anatomy of a movie. And I'm so glad that you two are on board <laughs> to talk about this. Tamara. This was a beautiful film. And yes, I bawled at the end, like most people should. Um, <laughs> if you're this was a heart. beautiful film. It was perfectly executed in storytelling. The acting was great from all fronts. It was just as well as the music, which is being underscored right and, now. Thank and you, the Josh. music. I think this movie just had so many different facets that worked so well for this film, and overall, it just made it great. Tamar, bored, yawn. I hated it. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, this is my favorite movie of the year, actually. I didn't know anything about it before I saw it. I knew literally nothing about it. I saw it and um, was so surprised and then immediately got mad because I didn't because I hadn't heard about it before. Yeah. Of course, this yeah. was before it actually got its, its theatrical release. Right, so exactly. um, um, inspiring, beautiful, touching, brilliant performances. My favorite movie of the year. I'm going to echo that it, for me, too. I mean, I... I, I I don't know why. I, I didn't know anything about it either, but I, I usually don't know anything about the movie. I don't want to know anything about mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. I just want it to roll out the way it should. Uh, and I was so taken with this actor, this kid, because I, I oh, didn't, you know, I didn't no. see him acting at all. I just, this kid, this really happened to him. Yeah. I, I bought it completely. Yeah. I was amazed by him. And then visually, I mean, I thought it was stunning. I From, from the CG of the, of the tree to all the artwork and the, you know, I just thought it was great. I thought it was, and you know, I don't care about some. We'll get into this later, but some critics or some people had given commentary that you know it was manipulative. I'm going, what? No, you're dealing with death. Somebody's gonna be either dying or dead. So mm-hmm. you get, you know, because they were upset that you know right away she's sick and they're already tugging on our hearts saying, well, that's the point of the movie is to deal with death. You can't have that happen without somebody dying or somebody being dead. You just can't. Yes. Well, and what, so, what would the answer be? Uh, let's have her be healthy, and uh, then watch her uh, d- slow demise. You know, it just seemed right. like a ridiculous notion, but that's yeah. what it can. But anyway, but getting back to the whole thing, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it on so many different levels, and uh, it was completely satisfying. And I was shocked and amazed that not many people had heard about it, and not many people are going to it. Yeah, and like I knew a little bit about it. I only saw the trailers, but not much promotion other than that. And mm-hmm. then I was like, "Oh, Sigourney Weaver's in this. Right. Felicity Jones just yeah. coming off of Star Wars is mm-hmm. in this, and Liam Neeson's the voice because I can immediately recognize yes. that was his voice." So I was like, "These are, there's great names in this film. How come it's not really getting as much attention to this?" Mm-hmm. And then Jeb. Biona, I think he's an amazing director. I love The Impossible. So mm-hmm. I was already like from the get go, I was like, "I'm going to see this film." Yeah. And then walking out of it, it was like it was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. From a film such as Bayona's. I, I didn't even put it together until I saw the name on the screen. Yeah. I went, wait, Bayona, wait a minute, didn't he? I go, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, what am I getting into? <laughs> Talk about another. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, gut wrenching. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that film. Okay, before we get into the breakdown of the movie. Uh, we want to uh, thank our partners. We, we bring these for free. The, the, you can uh, download these. You can get them for free for many reasons. We're happy to keep bringing them to you for that. But in order to do that, we work with our partners. Help us do that. And right now, this partner is Blue Apron. Blue Apron. And yes, you guys have listened to us talk rave about Blue Apron before. But Tamara, you you love cooking. I do love to cook. But in our industry, you know, we're not. We don't have all the time in the world to no. cook. And sometimes it's not the healthiest. But Blue Apron can actually help you with that. Yes. They have the number one fresh ingredients and recipe delivery service in the country it's great and what they uh, what they help is they can send you like free meals to you right that have like perfectly proportioned all the seasons and everything is like already measured for you every little recipes with fresh ingredients from their their own places and they send it straight to your door and me i don't cook 
whatsoever. <laughs> we can so this is like so up my alley. <laughs> but some of their meals that they have are cashew chicken stir fry with tango mandarins and jasmine, jasmine rice. rice. I was actually just looking at their menus yesterday and was very impressed by them. I mean, they sound delicious. Uh, and you have roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. So already this is healthy. Oh, wait, there's the fish on there, too. The, the crisp, crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad. Mm, Yum! That does sound delicious. Um, yeah, so there's all, and those are just some of the meals. I mean, you should definitely check out their website and the, their whole menu. There, there's so many different options. But the great thing that we have here at Anatomy, if you actually go to blueapron.com slash anatomy, you can get your first three meals free with free shipping straight to your door. That's an amazing deal. At Blue Apron. Yes, so blueapron.com slash anatomy. Check it out. And if you love cooking... This is for you, right? But we can do that too, right? Not yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anyone on can do this. Blueapron.com slash anatomy for your first three meals free. Thank you very much. All right, so I want to talk quickly about how this became a movie. So obviously there was a book, uh, well, not to, obviously to everybody, because I didn't know that at all until doing the research on this. So this started as a book, and that story in itself is interesting. Because yes. It, it started from, is it Siobhan Dowd? Yes. Siobhan yes. Dowd. Uh, she was a writer, uh, and she had come up with the idea, and she pitched it to her publishing and editors and stuff like that, and they commissioned her to write it. And tragically, during that process, she passed away. And uh, uh, that editor, who she was working with, also worked with Patrick Ness, and so uh, spoke to Patrick Ness about continuing that story. Uh, and then so he ended up writing the, the actual book. And, and from that book, then he was later uh, tasked to write the, the screenplay. screenplay. So... Right there, I was just going, whoa. And I'm going, how much of... Because the reason why she passed away uh, is because she was dealing with cancer. So I'm just going, wow. Oh, I, I don't know. We don't know what, what part of the process... She was in when uh, she was... Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's... So much of that seems to be uh, the movie anyway. And I'm going, I, I just am... I, I'm amazed by it. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea that that part of... Life uh, in, infused the, the art. So, uh, you, did you guys know this part of the story? Had you heard this? No, I didn't know it until actually doing research, like uh-huh. you said. Um, but um, you know, it was interesting because actually seeing the the card in the beginning of the movie yeah. says, you know, it's written by, by or based on a book by Patrick Ness yeah. from an idea. Yeah, right. Of Siobhan Dowd, and yeah. um, and I. I, I thought, well, that's, I wonder yeah, what, what that that's about, because you never see that, yeah, right? I, yeah, I hadn't right. seen it. I go, what, well, did she pitch the idea? And then, yeah. you know, it was just what, it was what yeah. kind of right. But, and then I, doing the research, I was just, oh, and it just added more. Exactly. <laughs> no, like, knowing, the, knowing yeah. that after yeah. the fact, it just makes the story more real and authentic, mm-hmm. because those are the kind of feelings that she was going through while, you know, conceptualizing. And, right. was, and, and again, I'm going, well, in her mind, was it she was, Writing to her children, you know, uh, to do yeah. my death, or was you know, or just a death in or general, ch- or and, children in general. Exactly, yeah. I was just fascinated by that because it came across as just being so loving and giving that, uh, that helped them uh, deal, be able to deal with my passing. I'm just going to say before the end of this podcast, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> so because right like you. just talking, just yeah. like really immersing myself in what her headspace must right. have been while yeah. she was going through this, you know, just kind of started bringing all that up again. Yeah, and you know, was this her knowing what she was possibly heading for? Facing, this yeah. is mm-hmm. what I'm going to leave as my legacy. I don't know. I mean, again, we don't know that where they are in the process, and I don't. It's I don't gracious. know. Patrick just ran with it or, or, or how much he was given. But regardless, the idea that somebody who is um, aware of their own mortality leaves something behind to help those who are left behind, I thought, forget it. Amazing. Yeah. So, to me, that's ostensibly what the story is about. So that's how it became it started as the movie because he wrote this book, and this book it was well-received, and then uh, they decided to turn this into a movie. And uh, wrote, he wrote the screenplay, which is not often the case. Usually somebody who's writing books, especially children's or coming-of-ages uh, books, uh, aren't necessarily tasked to write the <laughs> script Right. Well. And mm-hmm. uh, did a great job, if you ask me. I mean, most of, And I haven't read the book, so I don't know anything about it. Right. So, and I, have I, you, I haven't read the book either. 
Tamara I, I, I bet my sister has. I have Probably. a sister who <laughs> yeah. is a middle school librarian, so mm-hmm. or high school librarian now. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, she reads all the books. I'm gonna have to ask. Her. And the script is so good; it was on the 2013 blacklist of yes. uh, the favorite uh, unproduced uh, script. So that was, you know, that's a good honor right there. And then somebody decided, let's. Why is this not produced? Take it that's off the blacklist. Let's exactly. make this movie. But you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, you know, that it's not an easy sell, right? I mean, it's the, right. What, what's, right. You know, I, that's I think one of the reasons why it's not doing better is like it's not. I wouldn't classify this as a children's movie. No, no. it's also not really a feel-good movie. No, it's not feel- well, it, it's. I mean, in a way, for me, at the was. end, it could be. Yeah, for me, it was because it was. It just, I thought it earned its moment, and it was feel good because it felt like. Yeah, you you got there. You got me, and I, I thought you earned it. So it felt good to me. Not that it was life, uh, uh, well, easy to deal with, but right. it was still life affirming. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and because we all need help going through those kinds of things. But you can't pitch it, or at least you, you can't call it a kid story. It's not really a coming of age. Not not it is because of that's how they set it up. You know, it's about a kid. Too Who's old not yet to a be man? A boy, yes. Too young to be a man. Yes. But using a coming of age, it's about a rite of passage to adulthood. And not necessarily the, your passage through adulthood is your mother dying. Right. <laughs> so Just there usually isn't that added layer. We don't really have to deal with death so much, and, and it comes, at least in the coming of ages that they usually put out. Yeah, there. but it did have the other elements coming of out. bullying and yeah. you know mm-hmm. and and other life transitions. Now, right. you know, thankfully and luckily, most of us don't have to go through the you know in adolescence yeah. the loss of a parent. Exactly. Uh, but we can relate to lots of losses, and and yeah. he Connor was going through so many. So, in that sense, I think it was kind of a coming of age. And and I think it's also just showing his progression as a child. Mm -hmm. That's what a child would be going through during those times in his life, Mm -hmm. school and um, even the grief. My point is that usually you just have to deal with those. Right. Yeah. But usually the grief. But but the way he handled each situation, you know, anger or sadness, I think that's what a child of his age would be going through. So you know, it's, so you can't really pitch it in that category. You can't. What, you know, where does it fit? And it's because it really, it's, it's an adult film. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, don't, call, don't call it. A sorry, film. you know <laughs> what I mean. Made for, uh, but um, you know, because young kids aren't gonna. I don't know that they're gonna get a kick out of this. I don't think they're gonna no. stand it. It'd probably young be too scary yeah. for them. But yeah, maybe that and everything. But it's just, it's a weird. How, how do you market it? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a challenge. I can see why they had a difficult time. So. I, but I, I agree with you, though, that it is life affirming. Ultimately, yeah. it's mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's going through transitions in mm-hmm. life and a, a child. Yeah. Anyway, buy it. Let's make it. <laughs> I know because yeah. But everybody I know who's seen it is going, oh my god, you got to see right? it. They just don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a horrible marketing on it. I mean, the campaign was terrible. If you ask me, it I, makes me really mad. You know, uh, I have to say, it's, yeah, it's just a shame that such a great film didn't get as much promotion as it should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, and even the reception a little bit should have been a little bit better yeah. than it. Absolutely. Well, you know, so let's talk this. We're, we're going to go jump ahead, but let's talk about it since you just talked about reception. So it was originally set, slated to be released in October of, of 2016. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but it decided to postpone it because it, it, it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, mm-hmm. and then it was going to, uh, and it was released in Spain, and because. Uh, Bogot. The director's yeah. 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 So he, yeah. So it was released in Spain first, and then it was going to be released in the states in, in October. And then they went, you know, we're going to go up against, uh, you know, Star. Well, not Star Wars, but the, um, Reacher and Ouija and a couple of other. Yeah, all these. Uh, Jack Reacher, yeah. um, uh, Medea's Halloween, Ouija, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses. Right. So they decided let's let's hold off and let's not go let's not go up against those. And I go, what? Why would you hold off? It's only going to get harder later because right. of Oscar. But they decided to do a limited release in December, and ostensibly, I guess it would be for to be in contention to be eligible for these sure. awards. Sure. And then they went wide January first and uh, in the states, and then uh, sorry, January seventh in the states, something like that. In January and January first in the UK. So uh, I'm going, okay, great, you got in for award season, but now you're just getting killed by mm-hmm. fences and you know, uh, you know, everything else that's out there, hidden figures. I mean, what, all the ones that are you went wide. I mean, it's, how did it even find its uh, market? It's it's because you know you you're going up against so many. Yeah, it got and, lost. Yeah, it you got lost completely. Well, and you know. I I think, you know, perhaps releasing in October, they were thinking Halloween? Because it is a little bit of a scary movie. It's a monster. I would would imagine that's what they thought originally, sure. 
I think it was. A, I mean, clearly in hindsight, it was a big mistake to yeah. to wait. Yeah. But um, I, I question that logic actually. Yeah. But I do think it got smothered under the weight of the Star Wars and all the others that were out at the same time. Yeah. I think it just got killed for that. And, yeah. you know, it, it's already difficult to find its niche yeah. and its market, So, uh, and then to put it up against all those other things. Right, and even now, because they released it, they, when they finally went wide, I had a, I personally had a hard time trying hard to find this, it. and it, it well, seemed limited, even though it was worldwide. Um, but the problem is, like, a couple of weeks later, they pulled back a lot of their yeah. screenings. Mm. Yeah, so it, mean, they made it even that? harder to see this film. Yeah, I mean, what, they expected a weekend of, of ten million. But yeah. The first day they only took six hundred sixty thousand, uh, so they lowered their projections to two million, and then the, the, the and they finished thirteenth. Thirteenth. Uh, yeah, so that was tough. And then the opening, week, on their opening weekend. Yeah, and the second week it only. Uh, this is in the states, by the way. Second week it only uh, grossed five hundred forty k, and it's down seventy five percent. The next week they started pulling it from theaters, so. It was. It only raked in nineteen thousand the third week. What? <laughs> yeah. And the week yeah. where they pulled a lot of yeah. the the screenings, that was yeah. probably the I, I believe one of the worst theatrical week releases week in, history. in history. Yeah, the biggest third week drop in history. Because they pulled it. Be- right. Yeah, it's terrible. Just crazy. It's crazy. But you know, you know, they're just trying to do that. But I just think they just didn't know what to do with it or didn't know how to do it. I mean, I, I think I saw... We, we were wondering, after we'd seen it, we are going, how come we're not seeing the ads after this? such yeah. a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And we only saw one ad yep. during Christmas. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. I saw the trailers in theaters, and that was it. That was it. You were in? On that? Yeah. That, that's I, the I only was, time you saw any advertising? Yeah, I was in a theater watching another movie, seeing the trailer for this, but I didn't see any like physical you know, posters or billboards or anything for it. Any of that type of promotion. Big disappointment. Print. Yeah. Right. Big disappointment. Because okay. so. people should see this movie. Someone, yeah. someone failed on the marketing I, I would say aspect. that's yeah, it's completely on uh, whoever's handling the marketing because I think the people behind the, the, the project did their job at Bayona. I, you know, he, this guy did a great job directing it. I thought we had really good acting in it. A lot of people are not so happy with Sigourney's accent, but okay. <laughs> Forget the accent <laughs> for a second. The, her performance was good. If, if you can get by you know, the technical things of the acts and everything like that. But this kid, I mean, what's his, Lewis McDougall? Yeah. Or McDougall, I'm not exactly sure McDougal. how he pronounces him, but McDougall is what I think it is. He plays the 12-year-old and just does it to perfection, if you ask me. So I can't speak highly enough about him. And did you guys have any issue with any of the performances? I, I really liked Lewis, um, his portrayal, because you would think for playing opposite of a somewhat physically threatening you know monster yeah, that right. he, he would be kind of scared but the fact that he he always like stood up to him and was kind of strong yeah. um i really liked the fact that like we saw a strong character straight from the get-go mm-hmm. and I, I thought he did well in everything and he broke my heart at the end of it yeah and he had he carried the movie this, absolutely this kid carried the movie and it wasn't just one note he had Many different shades to show, which I thought was great. And credit to him, and credit to the director and the casting person who found him. So well, and it's also a really well-written role for him yeah. because he gets to play all those things. That's you true. know, the mm-hmm. victim of bullying, yeah. the you know, trying having to. I'm not afraid of you, standing mm-hmm. up to the monster, and you know, dealing with dad and dealing with mom and dealing with grandma and blah, blah, blah. you know. I mean, I just he. he his face was so um, expressive, mm-hmm. and and I just you know when when he's going over the edges, yeah, you know, and trying going through his nightmare, mm-hmm. it was so terrifying, mm-hmm. and I I mean I just I can't you know I wanted to give this kid a hug. And I know. I was like yeah. it's okay. Oh, and when you're he, acting, when he just beats the crap out of Granny's <laughs> room, oh, and then yes. and then Granny comes home and the look on his face, and then when he has to apologize later, I mean I mean. Just going, geez, this kid, what what can't he play? I mean, he was just hitting them all. How even, old is he? Well, in the movie, he's 12. I don't know exactly. I, I was wondering the is. actor. Yeah. Yeah. But even with his dad, I mean, the, 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 the conflict with his dad, wanting, you know, you know, so excited about having dad there, and then, yeah, go ahead. And that moment of change, the moment yeah. that it changes on his face right. when he says, That's wait a mean. second, you're making me come back? Yeah, it's exactly. not to you're stay or whatever it was? It? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, cha- he, it was such an incredibly yeah. subtle shift, the but you turns. instantly knew. Yeah, he did great turns. I mean, that, the seasoned veterans don't always <laughs> do that well with turns like that. So you got, I mean, just good stuff. All right, so let's talk more about the director. Uh, so I only know his work from The Impossible. I have not seen The Orphanage, which was a huge success uh, 
Uh, I um, haven't either. So have you? did you see that? I, well, I did not see The Orphanage, but I saw The Impossible. And granted, The Impossible was probably one of the films that made me cry the most. Yeah. Ever. Oh God, just crying through just the entire like, thing. The entire, just waterworks like nobody's business. Um, I, I He's also directed a couple episodes of Penny Dreadful. Yeah, the first two. Oh. Yeah, the first two. Yeah, so yeah. like I'm actually a big fan mm-hmm. of, I did the after show for Penny Dreadful on her sister network after Buzz TV. Um, <laughs> Jay Bayona, like he is such a visual director. Mm-hmm. Like he, his his scope and the way he sets up shots, and granted that's also with the cinematography. But mm-hmm. he's such a creatively he has an eye to show the, the most beautiful angles of a certain scene, mm-hmm. and right. um, that's what I was really excited for. And th- there were some shots where you went from you know the drawing rectangular drawing mm-hmm. to a window, but like yes. the the beautiful yeah. visual yeah. transitions yeah. of one shot to another. There was the door closing. Yeah, one, the right? gate the door was closing, closing that opened to the door. I mean, right. they had all kinds of great so many, transitions. Oh, the yeah. one that was amazing to me was at the end when Connor is in the, in the monster's in hand, the monster's hand and, and then he the ends up on the ground. The and then yeah. I, I, I couldn't figure out how they did that. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I mean, so many of those shots. And I it was great. It, I think it actually happened. It was magic. <laughs> but what I loved about him is it was in keeping with the fantasy of the movie. I mean, the, their visual language that they chose allowed you to stay in the fantasy and, and, and uh, blend seamlessly with the reality. So you could just keep making those quick, easy smoothless transitions I thought those were great yeah so and in what a great visual style to say now obviously this comes uh, he's had huge training and even with the orphanage uh, I would just want to talk briefly about the orphanage uh, since I haven't said it uh, seen it it was interesting it was offered to him the script is offered to him and in order to create the film he wanted uh, he had double the <laughs> film's budget and it's uh, Running time, and this is I didn't know he met Guillermo, Guillermo de Toro, and mm-hmm. uh, Guillermo said, you know, they had such a great meeting. He said, if I can ever help you, I'll help you. And so he ended up uh, help producing that first uh, on the movie, orphanage. the orphanage. Wow! And so then apparently now they they've become great buds, and Guillermo's his master, his mentor. Wow. So I mean, what a great meeting. I mean, who would not want to have a meeting like that wow. where you meet an idol of yours and the guy says, I'll take you under my wing. And uh, by the way, here, let's make your movie a success, shall we? <laughs> you know, that's, great. that's not a bad person to have, especially both of those guys are so visually oriented. They have great production value. They, I mean, uh, you know, just the set designs, all those things are all hallmarks, uh, hallmarks of their uh, films. So, and you can see that in both of them. So, congratulations for that. Yeah, and apparently on set, Bayona, uh, he likes to set the the tone for all of his actors, so apparently every single day he would play music to help them get into their roles oh. and, and, and set the atmosphere. I didn't know that. Yeah, different types of music, yeah, apparently, that they were shooting. Yeah, ranged all different types of genres from all mm-hmm. different types of the world, or parts of the world, that all different types of music to help them get into their emotional state that they needed to be. That's great. I would imagine that's really helpful. Yeah. You know, um, I was actually talking on uh, another podcast the other day about directors who don't quite create the most, um, <laughs> you know, collaborative right. atmosphere. Yeah. And so the actors that I was talking to were, mm-hmm. were discussing the fact that when, when they feel like they are being held, you yeah. know, uh, in good hands, good hands yeah. And and people are provide the directors are providing that kind of atmosphere where you can really sort of trust and let go mm-hmm. and do your job. It really creates an opportunity yeah. for so much more. And so I'm I'm sure that that really added a lot to right. the performances and mm-hmm. and letting people really do what they wanted to do. It's very strange. Every director is slightly different. I mean, a lot of directors like to create chaos on the set. They, yeah, they, they don't want their they right. want their actors unsettled because then they figure it's a, yeah. it's it's going to crackle. And you know, right? Be more lively, mm-hmm. or, exactly. Or real. And they want to create competition because yeah. they want them on their, uh, at, you know, at their best. And and you know, I'm sure actors are all different as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. some yeah. some work great under that scenario, and some don't. Yeah. But I do like the idea they play music on the set because I, you know I, I have a lot of writer friends who they tell me that depending on what kind of scene they're writing, they'll put the the music, the score. They basically score the scene as they're creating it. Wow. To keep, put them in the right emotional state to get the way. To get it on the page the way they feel it. Dudes. Wow. Yeah. It has to be dudes. Yeah, it is, it is true. <laughs> gender difference. Well, I, I, I love listening to music. I don't do a lot of it when I'm writing, but I can't listen to anything with lyrics in it because <laughs> the lyrics end up on the page. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. it has yeah. to be orchestral or something. I can't do it with So I'm, I was curious. I love I love orchestral music. Every time I work, every single day, I listen to Pandora, and it's all orchestral music, nice. instrumental music. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of that. All right. 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about the story. So obviously uh, Connor's dealing with a lot. He's got the bully. He's got his mother dying. He's got his dad who's not there. He's got a very priggish uh, grandmother, strict, yeah, uh, not, a, not a relationship. And he do, I don't think he's never met his grandfather, uh, so he doesn't have that. And he's a loner. Uh, he's got. They they never show him with a friend at all. He, he walks wow. alone. He's uh, you know along the bank, and he's nobody. In fact, I love the way they open it. They open it with him in a nightmare, and he wakes up. Yes. And then the first few scenes, it looks like he's living alone. Living yeah. alone. He's like he's alone in his own place, doing his own laundry, he's making his own breakfast, and like there's nobody. And it's like this poor kid. What's happening? You know. And then they you find oh mom, uh, and then of course immediately I was going where's dad? Where's you know. So, but you see his life, he's a loner. And of course, you know, the, the page 10 beat, sorry for those, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. inside baseball, but page big, uh, is he hears the voice of the tree calling. Uh, and then we get to see that effect and stuff. Uh, and so it's kind of unclear does he call the monster or does the monster call? You know, because, you know, so there's that. But I thought the, just visually the way they did that and, you know, the pencils Pencil rolling line. and all that other stuff. And then I, when that tree came to life, I loved it. I thought that was great. I, you know, a lot of people are making these obvious connections to Groot because it's a yes. tree. I mean, because it's a tree that's alive. But I never, for once, really went, "Oh, it's Groot." No, yeah, I actually neither. connected more to Roald Dahl books. You sure, know, like, yeah. yeah, James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. and you know those kind the fantasy yeah, books BFG. that I grew up. Yeah, BFG exactly. Right. Yeah. Those those kind of books that I grew up. Yeah, BFG is a great connection. Yeah, that's yeah. good. But Groot, I went, how could you? Groot says one word. This monster tells stories. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. not the same. No. They, okay, so they're a tree. But it's any monster tree is going to look like a tree. So one of the things I thought was very interesting when they were first meeting yeah. was that, you know, the tree is not welcoming. He's no. not He's warm not and fuzzy, no. right? But... You know, partly because Connor yells at him, yeah, I'm but not he, afraid he of you. He yells when he t- says when something he about put, your mom. Yeah, because yeah. then, then he, oh, you're not going to mess with my mom. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I like that. But for me, it was interesting because I didn't feel that the tree was terribly menacing no. yet. Yeah. You know, no. even though he was scary looking, yeah. he was and, imposing, he was on fire in places. Yeah, exactly. He bends the rails of a car and crushes the electricity without getting shot. I mean, it was like, oh, dang. But he doesn't look like he's going to hurt him. Yeah. So was that childlike innocence, or I mean, why was why was he not afraid? Well, I think it was also just the you know just the introduction of the tree because he wasn't yelling really. The the tree wasn't it. it I saw the tree more as an approach of an adult speaking to a child. Hmm. Well, I also thought it's keeping with the whole theme of the movie, which is you can't judge everything by until you know all the facts. And he, right. he saw this tree, and I think at some on some level he. You know whether you know it or not, it's your creation, so right. it can scare you or help you. And I think that ambivalence is throughout the movie. Yeah, because the whole the the three stories he tells you go wait who's the good guy who's the bad guy right. so the tree's the same thing. Is it a good guy? Is it why is it is it not menacing? Is it because he's afraid? But then he then he you know he comes right back at him. So it's like, and I love that that nuance. Was I wasn't black and white. It wasn't easy. It wasn't you know uh, on the uh, completely left open for. Uh, well, I'm mean, sorry, it wasn't the black and white. It's just right. best by saying yeah. it. So, but that to me, what it, is what it was. So, but I, I you know in the beginning, I was like, oh, this could get bad because <laughs> again, I don't know the story. I was like, well, yeah, and also you know just visually how they set it up with the whole pens rolling and things yeah. are kind of moving around. Otherworldly thing. The room, like I think we're conditioned as an audience to always think that's maybe the beginning of a horror f- scene, you know, yeah, right? that you would see in horror films. And so you're not sure if this. Monster is something that you should trust or be afraid of, really. Right, yeah. right. So, and again, until he threatened his mom, he yeah. was a little scared. <laughs> so, um, but uh, he tells Connor, "Okay, you got to have the three stories, and, and then yep. I'm going to have the fourth, and it's going to be your truth, and it's the truth of your nightmares and all." And I, and I honestly was going. What he's gonna do? What he's gonna tell him? Sto- and I was like, Connor, it really was. Like, You're gonna tell him stories? What? <laughs> and that and that's gonna make me tell my story? Yeah. And then you know we get these stories, and uh, just briefly, did you just how did those stories affect you? Though when we went into that world of the watercolor and uh, oh my goodness, loved that device. Okay, so, the, so the credits came with right. with that artwork, yeah, you know, the watercolor. So you got a little taste of it, and yeah. I was, I I literally thirty seconds in went. oh, 
I didn't because I don't. You, you love watercolors, and everything. it didn't. I didn't even really. It didn't even re- register with me until we were in the movie. So I didn't even get it from the credit sequence. I just went, oh, it's credit sequence. So, I, but yeah, I do love mm-hmm. that, and I loved how it was sort of uh, that they were rolling out that device, and then you know showing the first story with the drawing or the painting, and uh, I, beautiful, interesting, complex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I thought it was a great like beginning to this part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the color scheme, the, the visual was amazing. Yeah. We can talk a little bit VFX later. But I, when he said that I'm going to tell you three stories, I was like, okay, well, there's a lesson to learn from all these three stories. There's a reason why there's three. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just watching the first one, I was like, if the second two you know stories are going to be as beautiful as this one, I'm all in yeah. as well. But uh, I, I really, what I took out of the stories is just the message, the moral story behind mm-hmm. it, um, which is the lesson you, you know you add it all up. That's what he learns at the end of the yeah. film. Right. Um, I thought it was just so well executed. Mm-hmm. For, and, and for that, a child, and again, it's 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 not an obvious lesson. It's not an, the, the reasoning behind the fable. It's not you know what you it, you normally in a fable you have a good guy and you have a bad guy or right. whatever mm-hmm. it is, and and he's and the whole thing is don't judge until you have all the facts and stuff. And he's he's judging himself. He's not aware of it, but he's judging himself without him having all the facts. I loved that element of the entire movie because yeah. life is not black and white like that, you know? I mean, there, everything is, you know, a bit murky, you yeah. know, relationships and scenarios and, you know, patterns and things like that. It's not always so cut and dried as it is in a fairy tale or even as it is in movies. Right. You know, you always know the bad guy, who the bad guy is mm-hmm. and who the good guy is. And so I really loved that element mm-hmm. because it encourage a per- encourages a person, a child, mm-hmm. You know, to make decisions for themselves, to really like kind of ponder what's what's right. in front of them and how are they going to deal with the situation. And that follows through the, that theme because you know he he's judge, you know his dad he, he does not look like a good guy. Even his, he misjudges his grandmother because I don't he doesn't see his grandmother uh, in my mind. He doesn't see her as somebody who's losing a child. Right. Mm-hmm. He only sees her as this mean person. Which yeah, exactly. Thank you. Or mm-hmm. stepmother. Yeah. You know, she kind of plays a stepmother like role. A stepmother, or yeah. Uh, and he doesn't. I don't think he realizes that. Yeah, I'm losing my mother, but she's losing a child. And I'm not even sure by the end of the movie he really puts that together in a conscious way. Sure. But he does get. Oh, she. Because when mom says we have your mother in common. Yeah. I think he mm-hmm. finally realizes yeah. that. So we're also own. sharing the loss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even that. So those themes carry through because he, you know, his dad isn't. Is he? Is he all good? Is he all bad? He's neither. I mean, he's trying to do the best he can. He's not in. in you know, in terms of his son's. Uh, he's not doing a very good job, but he's trying to do the best he can. So, and anyway, even the bully, we don't know. So, okay. Anyway, we're going on to the next story real quick, uh, which is about the apothecary. And the apothecary and the pa- and the parson, everything. Ooh. Yeah. Did you like? Was that fascinating for you as well? Because I, you know, as we're watching, I'm going, okay, what is this one about? How does this have to do with the kid? You know, you know. I'm just anyway. Were you or were you just enveloped in the story and didn't care? Um, both. I was glad I got to watch it a second time, actually, <laughs> because this story was was a little more confusing to me yeah. in, in terms of again the gray area and right. who who's doing what and how is it unrolling. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and period end of sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What what I took out of the the second one was like okay they we're learning a little bit more about the yew tree and like the, what its purpose is yes. and it kind of actually gave me hope at the end that maybe they can find medication and, and a seeming quote unquote cure for the mother so I, I kind of learned that maybe yeah there's an illness but it can be treated yeah. so it gave me false hope yeah. well I just like the for me the story was all about you don't, you don't want to you don't throw your beliefs away for expediency and belief is half the cure so you you mm-hmm. have to have some sort of core conviction, mm. otherwise your your life is kind of meaningless anyway. Because what was the parson if he did? You, okay, so you you know. But I also go yeah, but he's trying to save his kids. So what would you want your parent to go through the nth degree? So I, again, it's just layered, it's textured, it's not yes. easy. You don't get a cut and dried thing. You have to figure it out, and it's different for everybody. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I thought yeah, there you go. And that, again, that that theme will run throughout that movie. That's life. Yeah, exactly. And then the third one is the Invisible Man, which is the shortest of the stories. Yeah, and it just takes place yeah. in the cafeteria. Well, and you know, and interesting, the first two stories were essentially books, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was his, the live his, action. Yeah, his, <laughs> part of his book. Yeah. Yes. And so, did you? What was your takeaway from that story? What, how did that? Uh, what was the theme? What was the reason for that? What's the? Uh, 
um, moral. For the third story? Yeah, yeah, did you have a takeaway from that? Well, I, mean, I, I think this, yeah, this was obviously more about Connor, that he feels like he's invi- invisible when he's always been there, and he's just mm-hmm. upset that he's not being seen. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of love the fact that it. this has been the... Because the first two, it was really just the story in and of itself. And this one, the story bled into his real life. And right. that just shows like how realistic this was to him. Mm-hmm. And it was actually like enacting his physical behavior rather than his mental... I'm just, my, my, for me, everybody has an inner monster, and sometimes it ain't pretty. <laughs> uh, comes out. Comes out. <laughs> so, there are times when being invisible is okay. <laughs> right. Because here, you know, if we, we open ourselves up, we really make our innermost self known. It's not always pretty. Yeah. And again, that's not, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just, it, that's what it is. I mean, and you have to accept that. You have to figure out how to handle, how to deal with, how to uh, manage the dark side. I thought it was yeah. interesting that no punishment thing. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I liked it, but I, I'm going, oh, interesting. What would be the point? What would be the point? Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. so he's clearly so much in pain yeah. right now yeah. that, yeah, yeah well, there's you know, no... Can't, can't I can't really punish him. you any more than you're punishing yourself. Yep. Yeah, you can't fault him. So. Yep. All right, So, and of course the fourth story. And this is where, I, you know, some people, and again, most view, reviewers and people, it's... You know, it's I know this is jumping ahead, but Rotten Tomatoes has got this at 85% fresh. Yeah. It's getting a 7.6. Metacritic has it at 76 out of 100, so that jibes, and it gets an A from CinemaScore. Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah. and I'd uh, add 10% to each of those and a plus on the A. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) But um, that being said, some of the critics of it are saying that it's too dark. I go, well, you're dealing with death. I mean, I don't know how many, you know. It's going to be I, I didn't find it really that dark. I didn't either. I, I, didn't. I disagree with that comment. I, I did yeah. too. And I also, they were saying that um, it was obvious, his pain was obvious, and the reason, the whole reason for the movie, I got it. And I go, here's the thing I didn't get, and I don't think, I don't agree with that notion. I got, you know, in the beginning, you know, okay, he's, the, the whole idea that he's trying to save his mom, he's hanging on to her and stuff like that. And the pain, the truth of him uh, was that he let her go. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that he let her go on purpose. That he yeah. loosened his grip because he uh just wanted it to end he wanted, he wanted it to, it to be, be over. Because he knew all along that she was gonna die and he just didn't want to have to deal with the prolonged pain. That seems completely human to me yeah. that it's so painful and I know it's gonna happen anyway. I just wish it was over because I can't stand this feeling and I can't stand seeing her in such pain and all this other stuff. But I, I didn't get that from the. Did anybody see that? I didn't know that that was the big deal. That, that he, he let, let her go. go. Did I let her go? I thought it would be that I couldn't hang on to her. Well, you know, I, know that I, you know I couldn't keep her from dying. That's what I. That's how I. That's thought how it I read out. it. Yeah. yeah. I, I read it as like he was afraid to let her go, but I never saw it. It was like on purpose, just yeah. so it could be over. And that his guilt came from the yeah, fact he felt that guilty. I just wanted it to be over. For, well, for me. No, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little simplistic in it, but it, it didn't matter that much to me. What you know, the the, the fact is, she's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether from, he let go or she let go, yeah. I'm not really sure that that's. Well, yeah. I I like it that he let go on purpose, and that what the guilt he's carrying around. Not that I like it, that fact. No, I, purpose, yeah. But I get in it. his in his nightmare, he let go on purpose because he couldn't take the pain anymore, and he wanted it to be over. Because that sets up the whole guilt thing, which is the whole reason for the first story, at least in my mind. Which is you can't mm. judge yourself until you have all, you can't judge until you have all the facts, and all the facts are you're just a kid, and your mom's dying. You didn't want her to die. You just wanted the pain to be over. Yeah. So that to me worked. Because he wasn't putting in all those facts, and anyway, so I, that's what I thought it was. Well, and and also, you know, he was wishing for the end of his pain, but also the end of her pain. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's which a, is a loving, you know, it's a thought. very difficult thing. You, you of course, you, humans are complicated. Yeah, that's right. Humans are complicated, and I go to me, all that works great, but I, and I couldn't believe these simplistic looks. They were so reductive about this script and the story. I was just, I think they missed it. Yeah. yeah, or I don't know. Maybe they didn't miss it. And it just didn't. Maybe they're just cold-hearted bastards. <laughs> yeah. No, that's me. Oh no, that is you. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, that's me. So, yeah. all right. So, okay. So we talked more about the story. So we talked somewhat about the acting. Uh, I, I, I think all of us love the way Lewis sailed it. But I, what do we? Yeah. The, just one more thing, because because sure. you covered it, and I just wanted to cover it again. I wrote a note about Connor's face when mm-hmm. you mentioned the moment when he's in the car with Grandma, and yeah. she says, "We have your mother in yeah. common." His face oh. at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good God. 
Yeah, and he says he's sorry to her there. Yeah, just yeah. the one tear. It's like, uh, so it was great editing because they picked the one shot. The tears. It's like, kill me now. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was kill me now. It's over. So, um, so yeah, I can't say enough about him. I thought he did a great job. But I, I, I also did. Did you like um, Mom's job? Felicity. Oh yeah. yeah, she's great. Um, wh- what I loved is that uh, she she said in an interview afterwards that. Um, she herself is not a mother, so she had to, when mm. she was actually performing, she had to kind of dial back the the kindness mm. towards, uh, because ah. she thought that she was being, like, too sweet mm-hmm. to her son and not more of just being a nice person rather mm-hmm. than being a parent. Mm-hmm. And um, But seeing her and her and, you know, the son, Connor, but both of them together, you can feel they're just, like, genuine love between mm. those two as a mother and a son, and you'd hate the fact that like you would break those two up mm-hmm. because they like doing so much together. Yeah, the shared looks between them at moments, um, and the you know you could see that they've had joy together mm-hmm. in the past. I love hearing that about her. Um, you know, yeah. approaching it as a mother who has again the complicated layers mm-hmm. of sometimes you drive me crazy, child, yeah. and other times <laughs> I can't live without you. Yeah. Uh, reminded me a little bit or called back to room. Sure. From last yes, year nice. and the relationship between that mother mm-hmm. and son yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's good. I didn't even consider that, but you're super yeah, strong you're right. bond, Absolutely. and yeah. yeah, and when you're going through trauma, mm-hmm. it gets heightened. Even. Yeah, and that you know when he first meets the monster and then he climbs in bed with with mom because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just five minutes, afraid. I promise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you next morning, he's still there. You go, yeah, yeah, okay. perfect, exactly. Yeah. And mom, of course, she no, no, you can't. But you know, she really wants yeah, him. <laughs> she let him. That was a nice moment. And then I also thought that was a good moment when she brings out the, the you know, the family, uh, the movies, dad's, uh, her dad, so grandpa's home movies and stuff like that. And we get the idea that, oh, yeah, I wish you had met him and you never met him and stuff like that. That lays in a whole theme, too. Um, uh, did, you know, just, but, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. But, like, I even saw, like, a parallel with the King Kong story. Right. Sure. That, because I think he asked the questions, like, like why, are they why doing is he, it? Yeah. yeah, why are they hurting him? Why is he... Unhappy or sad or some, something yeah. along those lines. And he says, yeah. And, and you know, and we find out that it's like, yeah, because not everything has a happy ending. Well, and also we find that, you know, they, they do that to King Kong because people fear what they don't know and they're yeah, afraid exactly. of it and all that. So that's obviously the bully. But that's also him. He doesn't even realize we fear what we don't know. So some people said they hit that. It's obvious that, you know, uh, they that explains the bullies I go no it's not explaining just the bullies he's afraid of the unknown too about his mother dying and what that's going to mean what his future is going to be and that's why he's got he lashes out and has all that anger and again I'm going they just I think they just missed that it's not just about the bully the bully's a reflection it's about what's going on with him and Seemed like shaking, a very you're sh- nodding your head, so I guess yeah. you agree. We'll that seemed like on. a very shallow <laughs> review that you read. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. See, I read a bunch because I'm going, I love this movie. And then I saw some reviews, and it was, it was like, I don't know, I guess four out of the seven or eight. No, four out of the nine, I guess it was. They were they were not. They were critical. Critical. Mm-hmm. And I was I, and I go, well, I have to read these because I'm going to. Yeah. And it wasn't just one of them. It was like, and I'm, they, they had these things to say. And I'm going, okay, well, these are some of the negative uh, reviews, I, and I'm just trying to go. I these reviewers either had a bad day, or they think they missed things. Like, how did they miss? It? And I, I always go, how did they miss that? If I am I reading into that, what's so that's why I'm posing it. Am I reading into it, or did you guys feel this, or what were you thinking? But that's what they came away with is that they thought it was so on the nose, and I think they completely missed. It's not about the bully; it's about his own inner. Anger and I think the entire fear. movie is about that. I completely yeah. I mean, agree. every element yeah. of it is turning it back in. I know, I know, but they, I think because they saw the here's the bully who's a very it's a very obvious bully, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's not Archetype. a lot of gray area yeah. in this. Here's the mean guy. He's gonna pick on this kid because he doesn't understand him. He live, right. You live in the clouds with your pictures, and so we're gonna beat you up. And it doesn't really seem like it's like I don't understand why bullies bully anyway. But there's no explanation other than. Oh, you so you draw and your head's in the clouds. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and in the movie, I was going, why are they doing that? But I would think that anyway. Right. So, but to me, that, that's what they thought that answered. They thought that um, the, the King Kong thing was just speaking about the bullies. That explains the bullies. They're, they're picking on you because as opposed to how does, it, how does his own, uh, what, the, the things that he fears, well, how do, why does he lash out? Right. And, yeah. and they just missed that it was not just about the bullies, it was about him. Right. 
Right. So that's what that's just. That's a shame. Yeah, <laughs> it was a shame. It wasn't because I'm going. Oh, I think you need to see that again. Yeah, <laughs> right. You might want to see that again because I, you know, I saw it twice, and the, the second time, I loved it just as much, and I was crying just as much, and I, and I was kind of going, I can't believe it's getting. I already know what's happening, yeah. and it's still getting me. Yeah, because you're a marshmallow inside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a cold-hearted sociopath. Yeah, we that's know that, it. but that's you're it. also oh, a marshmallow yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we going with this? Uh, oh, we were talking about um, actors and stuff. Yes. So uh, we like Felicity. Uh, and again, I, I didn't wasn't really bothered with Sigourney's accent. Of course, I'm not British or English, uh, so I don't have a problem with the accent. I was like, eh, it wasn't the best, but it's like, eh. It, it wasn't as important as other people have made it out to be. Did you guys care? No, I did not care. Yeah. <laughs> did not care. It was something I could just like easily overlook and be yeah. like, all right, she's a great actress anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't take away all the amazingness that she's done in her career. I really just like this. It seems like a kind of cold-hearted personality mm-hmm. that is like, oh, we're already not supposed to like her because mm-hmm. she is the... The, this strict figure, yeah. but at the end, like I loved how you know those layers were peeled back, yeah. and she was going through the same thing. That in the end, you also feel bad for her. Yeah. Well, uh, and before we came in, we were you were talking about the um, arc that her character had. Yeah, visually, I thought it was great. Okay, you know, when we first meet her, she's this you know she's taskmaster, taskmaster, mm-hmm. and she's perfectly set up. You know, the way she looks is everything's in place. We go to her home, and he has you have these figurines. Everything's you can't touch. Anything Don't touch anything. <laughs> And then as you as you see her progress through the movie, she gets more and more harried, you know, because she's just trying to take care of her dying daughter. So and see, grandson. And grandson, mm-hmm. yeah. So you see the hairs, everything starts to come out of place. And her world, obviously, is just being in shambles. And, of course, and her actual physical home life apart. comes in shambles as well. That's the inner reflection of what's going on, I mean, the outer reflection of what's going on inside. And I, I just love the way they did that, too, because by the end of it, she didn't seem like the prim proper uh, anymore, and you know she's her life is never going to be the same because my child is dead, and now I have to take care of the, the son. And I just thought that visually the way they showed that was great, you know. And even when she came home and she saw what he had done to her sitting room, and mm-hmm. then she just throws that thing on, going right on, yeah, right on, yeah, that's right. It's another one of those we're in this together kind right. of moments. Yeah. and you, and again, to me, that was a, a change. Most times, you'd, you'd see that person, and then they would go, "How could you do this?" Sure. And they would lash out, and, and none of that it wasn't. It wasn't a word spoken, and and who knows? I don't. I honestly don't know if she was just pissed off at him and said, and and then just threw that that bureau right. down just to. You know, because she was mad at him and didn't want to lash out, or just mad, or she was mad at because her daughter's done. I didn't care. I just thought it was great that it wasn't the obvious thing, obvious choice to make. Go to your room, yeah, no okay. supper, yada, yeah, yada, and, yada. And just leave the kid. And again, speaking to him, that's his inner journey. Oh my God, I'm expecting her to come. Oh, and she doesn't. Even she doesn't punish him because what would be the point? Right, mm-hmm. which makes it 10 times ten more painful. That, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I just love because that they made really, that choice. Yeah, it really just highlights not only, right, okay, so you've done this, mm-hmm. and I so get where you are for yeah. having done this. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the, you know, without her saying it, I understand your anger because I have the same anger. Yeah. yeah. So what, what really, like, uh, wrapped up her character <laughs> for me at, was at the end where the, you know, the locked door was yeah. actually... For yeah, Connor, and yeah. it was—I'm yeah. assuming it was the mother's yes, actual yeah. bedroom—that yeah. she was ho- actually holding for Connor. So, like, even though she may not be the the nicest, most kinded, warm-hearted person right now, that like she still loves the um, Connor, and yeah. she's still and in it. We don't know. Indeed. She might be this, you know, right. very staid person, or she just might be still mourning the death of her husband and the uh, ensuing death of her daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That may be why she's so cold. You know, some people have died in my life, and they're dying now. And and maybe there's a possibility that there's some warmth there between the two because of what the, the tragedy that they yeah. shared. So. And, I, you know, a lot of people know this who've read the book. That whole end sequence. So the book ends with mom dying. Okay. And so the mm-hmm. end, everything after that is something that the... It's only in the, the film. Yeah, the, uh, the script writer, who was also the novel writer, and the director put together. Oh, wow. So that whole thing. It just hits Which I thought you. was, you know, I'm going, 
yeah, I think you need to do that for a movie. We need we want something coming out of there. Whereas a book, you can sit with it, you know, and you've you've right. had a lot more time with it, and you you know you get to go into other people's heads and all that other stuff. In a movie, you're just with this one thing, and I think you need something as you come out of it. So, and I thought they they handled it so well Ugh. with heart, with no words, not saying a word. He just she says she points to the room and says, "This I've got it ready for you." And he goes in there and he sees all the art. He opens the book and it's got the same looking mm-hmm. characters of the his that the that the tree the, the monster the, told the him. monster told him. And then of Chills. course the <laughs> picture of her and on his and on of course the, what was the frame mm-hmm. photo of Liam? Was oh, I it? don't know. Okay, there's a frame photo of Liam. He's I don't know if it was in there or if it was already around. Oh, they sh- they did show his, the wall yeah, of photos. That's her mm-hmm. father. The one, the the, the uh, her father that the son has never met is Liam. Neeson. Is Liam Neeson? Uh, and then we yeah, see yeah, him yeah, as the, she's sitting on, on the, the, the on tree's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And go, oh wow! So you know this this uh, you know, other again otherworldly metaphysical thing is that it, is the what's this tree the the essence of her father? I mean right. you know so you get all this tie in there now. Apparently not in the book. In the book it wasn't necessarily that the tree was the essence of his father or anything like that. Her father, excuse me. But I love that they made that connection, that possibility, and because it, and it doesn't really matter if he was or he wasn't. It's that this is the uh, mom's idea of what the yew tree is that she's supplanted into the son with all these stories and their artwork because they showed them doing art as when he was yeah. a kid and stuff, mm-hmm. and that's transferred to him and stuff. And it's just a great way to tie it all together. Did anyone? Did yeah, you read well. any reviews where people were upset about the the? Um, Translation from book to film. The only ones I read were positive. Okay. They thought that the it was a great adaptation of the book. They were sure there was obviously things that you can't leave, you, you just have to cut out sure. because you just don't have the time for it. But there were other things that they had used, and I'm I, they didn't really go into specifics other than the the visual aspect of it that they thought were great. They were yeah. better than the book. But so. no criticism about the ending being no, because everybody knew that the book ended with that, and Got they were it. all worried when it kept going on. At least the reviews I read. Uh, they were worried when the movie kept going, but then when they see a ho- saw how they handled it, they go, oh, that's perfect. You know, and I, I think it's helpful to have the writer of the book be the writer of the script in this case because uh, yeah, they yeah. kept that same tonality and the same just uh, style, I guess we're good saying, saying that. And again, the yeah. last shot on oh. Connor's face. Well, I thought this was great, too. Mm. There were the bookends. When we first meet him, it's dark, he's in a nightmare, and he wakes up. The next time we meet him, it's bright, he's awake, there's sun on his face, and you can just, there's that full transition, full arc. Uh, he's in deep turmoil when we see him, and then he's, you know, having light on a new day. As, and possibility. And possibility mm-hmm. at yeah. the end of it. And I just, great stuff. Great Beautiful. stuff. No, it didn't touch me at all. I, I know, I can see you criticizing, not criticizing, noting my, my tears. Yeah, that's right. I told you. I, I warned yeah, you. All right. Uh, who else? Do, oh, and uh, who? who um, Toby. Toby. Yes. Oh, dad. Dad. Toby yes. Kebbell. I mean, again, it's like he was great. I thought he was great too. A lot of you know, it's like you know, he's such a slightly douchey. He's slightly douchey, but you know, it's like okay, but but is he? I mean, he's trying to do his best. I mean, yeah. Well, we don't know what his whole story. We don't know is. his whole story. We just know at some point, you know, and even the, he said that we were in love. We were too young. Da da da. da but then at right. some point, yeah, but you moved to. This, America, L.A. Yeah, L.A. of all places. You know, and and, and so there you you can feel pretty bad because look, you left your your child and An started a whole new family somewhere yeah. else, and you you would you would hope dad would at least stick it. But you know, do you do you how bad do you think he's trying to to make something of his life too, and trying to make he's trying to do the best he can to make it all work. You know, but you know, it's he's not. Succeeding, <laughs> let's no, put it that way. Right. But he's not all bad. No, he's not all bad. No, and, 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 and I think his explanations made me not, you know, completely dislike him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that you know he moved to LA, though, pretty much from you know their location, the farthest point in the world where he can move away from that family, was a little sad. But yeah. I appreciate him because I felt like he was saying all the right things to Connor during each situation. Like I know you're really frustrated with me, but and he was also pretty practical too. It's like. I would love to have you, you know, just come back and visit me and be kind of part of my life and yeah, stuff. But yes, there's other than that, there's nothing more I can do. Um, that I was like, oh, you could try a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's not—he's not the person who's supposed to be there to support 
the family as much I, as you yeah. want him to. I, I like he's not going to he be wasn't, that person. I mean, I, he was, again, just complicated if you ask me, and, and, and that was great. And not all bad, but not very good either. But mm. it also put our main character, again, alone. I got yes. nothing. I got no one. I don't. My mom's dying. My grandmother's not. We don't really get along. And my dad's not really part of my life. Right. I have no friends. Yeah. Except a monster tree. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of the monster, monster tree. Monster tree. Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson. Yes. So again, I thought they did. I don't know what how they altered his voice. His voice already is really good, but they added such uh, depth Texture. and gravitas to it and stuff like that. And Gravely, already had kind something. of. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. I thought it was great. So did you, you guys go crazy for it? Or I love Did you Liam just Neeson go? Oh, voice. it's taken. I, I, it's, it's <laughs> no. Liam Neeson. I'm not. I love Liam Neeson because I, I said earlier when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that's definitely Liam Neeson's yeah. voice. Um, I think he was great. And the the interesting thing about him, he only because he yes he was a voice, but mm-hmm. uh, all of his work was done within two weeks before yeah. like principal. Be, yeah, before they even was started even shooting in mocap, no yeah, less motion, motion capture, and with uh, Lewis in the room. Yes. So he worked. He. Worked offset, opposite, opposite. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so I, th- and I thought that was, I don't know how he would have done alone, but I thought I mean, it's always better to act with somebody. I'm, I, you know. Of course. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, and I thought he was great. I thought it was great. He again, many layers to him because it's you could have easily been the Groot, just been the monster tree. Yeah. But there, when he had those quiet, tender moments, and he was just trying to you know move him along in his, you know, he's not there to heal mom. He's there to heal. You know, he never said that. Right. I'm here mm-hmm. to heal you. So and he's doing it, you know. Even the end there, when he's pushing the kid to 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 do the hardest thing possible and tell his mom the truth. The truth. And I thought, oh, just that little nudge and everything. Just, uh, these quiet moments were great. So and I, and I loved the, the visual part of it. I loved when the eyes would red and you could yeah. see the glow between and, and the and branches it's like and muscles. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. It, the it, again. Great character, but we can't talk about just his acting because we have to talk about the visual effects and what how they put this tree together. Yes, so, and, and we, so we, much. We, all of us really love the stories with the watercolors and how yeah. they put that together. But you gotta give. Uh, let's see, who's the visual tech effects team? Well, well, uh, there, there were several. There was um, yeah. Headless Studio, Glassworks, right. Barcelona, and MPC, who yeah. were basically the three biggest VFX mm-hmm. companies that all worked together just on the execution of the tree. Yeah. Itself. Yeah, and then of course there's all the other visual effects of the the, 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 the nightmare, the nightmare, the nightmare. And yeah, the, tra- uh, the church and the, the everything falling up, and then the beating up of the Parsons house, and mean all kinds of fun stuff. But yeah, I thought for me the tree, uh, the monster tree worked. I, Here's the thing. This is you know, I'm I'm not a great expert on visual effects, but the thing for me is if I'm not taken out of it, if yeah. I if I if I'm taken into their world and I believe everything, I think that's a success, mm-hmm. you know. And and there was never a question to me that that tree was real. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. Do, I mean, I'm being yeah. I'm being silly, but but it was a seamless. Uh, leap to make, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it first came to uh, just ripping out of the yes. root, its roots, yeah. and I was just like, uh, oh. And then right. when, yeah. when he pulls out the pulls branches. And he pulls the branches, like, yeah. It's like, I'm, I said, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. The only criticism I heard, they didn't, some, some quote people who are uh, uh, much more, they care Pure, much more. Purists. Purists. <laughs> and, they, and like the, the end when, during the, his, when he's revealing his uh, truth, his nightmare, and the, the church and everything, like they thought yeah. that didn't look Good enough. And I went. You mean the actual like the actual, effects? Yeah, those, yeah. The actual the physical effects. They thought it was it wasn't up to snuff. It, you know, I just went eh, oh, whatever. Goodness. But that's okay. the only time I'd read. It, you know, and I was going I, again. I'm going. But I guess it took them out of the movie. It didn't take. I wasn't. Right. I didn't yeah. care. I didn't pay attention to that. I was so taken by this kid and when he struggling like crazy not to tell his truth. I mean, that seems very human. So oh, how many times God. have people lied like crazy because they're afraid to face their truth? Yeah. Yeah, I was so encapsulated in that the the fourth story, technically his truth, because we saw the a little bit of the nightmare at the beginning, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, there's a woman and there's a hand. What's happening? And then when, once we finally got there, like VFX were amazing, yeah. but I was more invested in the story. I was like, what's actually happening? Because we get finally get the answers, right? Right. And I love that theme of time. You know, we did the 1207 when he had, yes. you know, that's when the monster comes and. You know, the whole idea that we were running out of time, his mother's running out of time, the whole right. idea that grandma has the clock that her mother gave her. I mean, there's this whole running theme. And, and then when he uh, has that, the invisible man comes to life with the monster in the cafeteria, it's yes. 1207. I mean, so yeah. they had all these great connections. And just little, and then at the end there, of course, mom dies at 1207. Yeah. And 
I'm just going, just, uh, for me, it just felt like just really smart stuff. It was just all these connections without having to say a word, didn't spend any time on them, but they were just uh, how it was shot. I mean, it was well thought out and crafted. Yeah, I thought the VFX were amazing. And also, you know, doing the research on this, when filming, uh, Lewis actually had, they actually did make some practical um, mechanics for him so he can play opposite oh, in, in real yeah. time. Um, they had the, the hand of of the U-Tree and also the head. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so you can see some photos here. If you are tuning in on the iTunes, you should or check YouTube. out the video on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Um, we have some photo visual references. So th- there were some like, practical mechanics that he worked with in real time. Um, also, just quick... Uh, nod to set design in the yeah. room that he was given at the end. You know, his oh, mother's yeah. room, that was his room. Did you notice that there was a tree yeah, bookcase, bookcase on the wall? Yeah, and they had a lot of wood frames and leaves and, yeah, all kinds of nice Yeah, so nice little yeah. bringing bring bring the monster into monster the room. into his world. Into his world, yeah. yeah. Exactly, so he's always going to be like the guardian angel that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this might be kind of lame, but I'm going to say it anyway. So 1207 yeah. numerology. Oh, if right? you add this together, it's a one, okay. which is a new beginning. Oh. That's what a one, one represents. Look at new that. beginnings. Okay. Wow. I don't know if that was no, even part it. of it. I just, I just pulled that out of my I love numerology. weird Here. knowledge. Shoot. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like slightly mind blown. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I also love the, the visual effects for the, the stories. The, the whole yes. blending of the, the watercolors and also on top of animation visual yeah. effects. Yes. Um, Headless Studios, who actually did the animation for um, uh, Death, Deathly Hallows Part 1, right. when Hermione is telling the stories of the... the, the Oh my goodness, I'm completely um, blanking. Um, the story in Part 1. Okay. I mean, she's going over the... the I cannot think the of demons. the demons. <laughs> right. well, not the demons, no, but, not the, but the, the visual um, storytelling and Headless yeah. Studios did that, mm-hmm. and they liked it so much that they got them on board for right. this. I was so entranced because even the, you know, he's sharpening his pencil. And yes. The, the, yes. the ribbon of that ended up of being the, the crown. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, I mean, come on. I mean, so many of those little tiny things, I mean, it was just, it was a pleasure to watch. Yes. It's so many of those things. That was great. Yes. 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 Uh, let's see. Anything else we want to cover? Anything else you, you guys want to chat about? Beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, music. Oh, yes, yes we music. have talked like music. Thank you for bringing that up. I, we all, I always omit it because I forget to talk about it. So the, the, a couple of things I thought about the music. First of all, I thought it was, it was really well done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a couple of different schools of thought one is that the music um you know needs to be really a presence in Mm -hmm. films and and there's the other school of thought which is if you're listening to the music you're you know it's an intrusion Mm -hmm. um and and you know i can i can see both sides of that argument Mm -hmm. but when i didn't notice the music i'm not sure if there wasn't any music in the beginning but i didn't notice it until the first tale was Mm. being told Mm And when we were talking earlier about whether or not to be afraid of the monster, the fact that there was no music during that, I think, was part of the reason why there was a little bit of ambivalence. Because a lot, you know, most of the time, not most of the time, a lot of the time, music is put there to set the tone. And it's it's sometimes, and it's sometimes kind of subliminal, right? Uh And if there's menacing music, then you know you're supposed to be afraid of what's coming. And the fact well, that there was no music when the when the monster came in left it open for interpretation, like so much of the movie. I yeah. think I remember hearing music in the credits. Yeah, in the opening that, credits. Yeah, yes, was, I'm not. That was kind of like, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't remember hearing music uh, under the um, when the monster first shows up. Or if I did, it was so low yeah. and. Unintrusive that it yes. it didn't it didn't overpower anything. But you know you're it doesn't matter. You're at night. You're drawing, and then weird things start happening. You're yes. already like, what the hell? So yeah, I don't know that they needed any music there. If they even if they yeah. did, put it but on. but I mean that's actually what I'm. You know, the, yeah, you my might, point is yeah. making that that I like they that they didn't tell me how I had to feel. Right. Mm-hmm. 
was a manipulative. Yeah. yeah, or even yeah, even suggestive necessarily mm-hmm. because because we're not sure yet. Yeah. And I'd rather I'd rather leave it up to interpretation and at it that is point. A monster, yeah. Point yeah. Also. Um the the composer was Fernando Velasquez who also worked on The Impossible. Okay. And, yeah, and I do Crimson Peak with Gamma oh. Del Toro. Yeah. Um yeah, and he it was the Basque Symphony Orchestra that, you know, composed and did the music for this. Nice. Um, Soul Symphony Orchestra, way to go! Nice yeah. indeed, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you can get them. <laughs> Apparently, the director can. Nice. All right, thank you for remembering that, Tamara. Yes. Uh, editing, um, it goes along with a lot of the production design and the, their shot selection. Well, the, the editing, um, just a little bit. They they had over a hundred and eighty different shots just for the tree alone, for for VFX. Wow. Yeah, just for the tree. And yeah. they, um, for the conceptualization, conceptualization of the tree, they had like twenty different mm-hmm. renderings, and not twenty. Sorry, two hundred different renderings. Well, I mean, just to I, I had, I thought again, they showed restraint. I thought they did it extremely well because I never felt in any way ever taken out. They were seamless to me, and yeah. the pacing was amazing because you know it's it's an hour and forty eight minutes, I think. Uh, I think that's what we yeah, run, that's run time as one hundred eight minutes. So uh, yeah, I and. None of it ever dragged or anything like that, and I thought it built really well. Especially that, la- for me, it built great to that last uh, story when he's having to tell his truth, and I thought that was the cacophony of noise. Everything was coming in. There. You had music, you had sound effects, you had visual effects, you had- and then him just being so reticent to give it up because he's so afraid of his own guilt, so ashamed of it that I thought it was great. And that's, it really built to that. Yeah, that's when I noticed when no music happened because yeah, like it stopped. It stopped. everything like silence. And then once he said, yeah. "I'm afraid," like yeah. everything just stopped. Silence. Oh my goodness! And that incredibly hits effective, you. right? I love the way you. he knelt. He turned away, helped me, and the whole thing is there's like, yeah, there you go, fine, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I that was the moment. You're like, <sighs> I thought they earned these moments. They and they, I thought they executed them well. And for me, it was just incredible. So. Mm-hmm. Tamara's going. Can't talk. <laughs> no, it's it's true because I I was one of the first people to get out of the theater because I was afraid people were going to see me actually like bawling because yeah. I was crying so hard I had to leave. Yeah. I'm like, nope. Oh, people done. are used to seeing me cry. Yeah, she's just <laughs> Tammy, the, the waterworks go. I, however, was crying, but I was trying to hold it uh, only because it's like I'm trying to you know pay attention to it. and I got a headache from holding it back so bad. It's like, oh, what am I? See? Oh. That's why you gotta let it out. You gotta let it out. I got exactly. out of theater before people saw me. Yeah. Like completely lose my and composure. I'm, again, I I would highly recommend this. It's certainly my favorite of the year. I mean, I, I also like Taylor High Water. I thought it was a great script uh, and really, really, you know, and everybody of course loves La La Land, which I thought was fine. I didn't think it was. It was fine. I don't think it's fourteen academies, but that's okay. You know, uh, no yeah, award nominations for no. Oscars on this movie. Such a shame. It is a shame because you. I, I would. Think it's bleeping wrong. It is what it is. But you know, there's so many things that could be nominated for sound mixing sound yeah. editing editing visual, in general editing script yeah. visual adaptation I, I, I think yeah. it's some of the ones that are nominated and I go really? yeah, yeah. and not oh. this? it's a uh, shame yeah. it's a travesty so. yes. truly truly mm-hmm. alright well we gotta get out of here last thoughts <laughs> um, I love this film I will definitely buy this when it comes out Oh yeah, one of my favorite films of 2016 yep my favorite for sure uh, go see it tell your friends to see it it's just no it's going brilliant. in. No going in. It's 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 not an easy film. It's not no. a feel good movie. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was for me at the end. I I, did, I felt good about life. I felt good for this kid. You know, it was a great movie to watch. But it's not like hey, it's not going to be that kind of movie. No, nope. and you know, you're going to be glad you saw it though. Be glad you saw yeah. it. I think and just know, know what it is. Yeah. So all right. Yeah. So and where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. I am at Tamara Berg on Twitter, and my website is TamaraCentral.com. And Marissa, tell them where they, where can they, they can hear more about Popcorn Talk. Yeah, and other... everyone can follow us on Twitter at The Popcorn Talk and follow all of our anatomies. We're doing a lot of movies upcoming, and we have a humongous archive of yep. other All kinds movies. of other shows. What do we got? For, kind of shows um, other shows we have you know box office breakdown we have action movie anatomy yeah. we do Disney movie news Marvel DC so we have a wide yeah, about anything you want to find out yes. about yes. a rolodex of different there types of films you bet yeah. alright everybody we gotta get out of here thank you very much for listening in we appreciate it and we will talk to you next time for the next anatomy of a movie
from producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.